Hello and welcome back to Historical, where we're doing history through the lens of the stories we've always told. And today we're taking a journey not just through time, but by water. So pop those motion sickness pills if riverboats are not your thing, and meet us on the banks of the Nile 4,000 years ago. Ancient Egypt is, in so many ways, symbolic of the ancient world. And it pops into our mind's eye if someone so much as mentions the word history. And as a result of that, or maybe because of that, ancient Egypt itself becomes reduced to a set of symbolic images. Now, if you close your eyes and think about Egypt, don't do this if you're driving, chances are that hundreds of us are thinking of the same five or six things. Pyramids, pharaohs, mummies, sarcophaguses, hieroglyphics. And maybe some artwork showing really angular, stylized profiles of nobles and rulers. Now, if you were really lucky and you had a great history teacher or very dope parents with a good sense of humor, you might have a little more to choose from here. Maybe you know some of the sprawling, slightly incestuous stories about the gods. Maybe you have pictures in your mind of clay jars filled with preserved organs and the metal hooks that coerced them out of the body. There's nothing wrong, of course, with having this knowledge and these pictures in your mind, nor even with being completely fascinated with this side of ancient Egyptian life. The trouble is, for many of us, this remains the only side that we know, with the result that this entire ancient culture takes on the same two-dimensional quality as those profiles of the pharaohs printed on papyrus. Often what we forget, and the further back we go, the more fully we seem to forget it, is that history is populated by people. Now that sounds crazy, but bear with me. If I type the words, was Henry, just those two words, nothing else, into Google, three out of four suggestions are some version of, was Henry VIII a good man, a good king, a nice person, etc. And you can try that combo out with a number of historical figures. It's not a completely unenjoyable way to spend slash waste your time, provided, of course, you know that you are never getting that time back. The point is that we very rarely describe our friends or family or our loved ones, people that we actually know, in such simplistic terms because we understand that flesh and blood people are never really all good or all bad. They're just people. And... I think the mistake that we make when we look back at the past, we paint in these really broad brush strokes that don't leave very much room for the complexities of the human experience. We know that the ancient Egyptians had a highly ritualized ceremony of death, but we don't very often think about them lying in bed as children, dreaming of what their lives might be. We forget that we aren't the only ones who have a favorite drink, a favorite song, or two left feet at weddings. We forget that people in the ancient world had an uncle they liked and a cousin they didn't and they told bad jokes after too many drinks. And if we can try not to make that mistake, we suddenly find that the whole world of history comes alive for us because it's suddenly filled with millions of first steps, first kisses, first days at work. Now, whatever your views about art may be, this is where art in all its forms can be super handy because it gives us a snapshot of what it feels like to be alive at a particular time. And there's a lot of artwork associated with ancient Egypt. Now, for me, the sculptures and the paintings, whilst incredible and beautiful, they don't really help break us out of this idea 
and this perception of Egypt because we don't fully understand them. They're too far removed from what we know as art. They're too impervious, too austere. Words are not because words, if you can translate them, make a tenuous bridge to living history. Of course, they have to be translated and naturally things do get lost in translation. But even with these mistakes, you suddenly fill the pages of history with voices that don't sound too different from ours. And some of this ancient Egyptian literature is, in my view, one of the greatest lost treasures of the ancient world. Many of these books and poems and songs were written during the New Kingdom, which stretched from 1539 to 1075 BCE. And as Richard Parkinson, an Egyptologist involved in one of the translation projects, puts it, people tend to assume all ancient Egyptian writing is religious. So the secular nature of these songs and of much other poetry continue to surprise readers. Now, for example, a lot of what has been found in these sites is love poetry. And these writers used a lot of poetic technique that would be immediately recognizable today to anyone who paid even the slightest bit of attention in their poetry classes as a child, which I know is optimistic. One of my favorites is an excerpt from a long poem called The Flower Song, and it captures that universal feeling of being caught up in the first wave of new love when you think that nothing else exists and nothing else matters. To hear your voice is pomegranate wine to me. I draw life from hearing it. Could I see you with every glance, it would be better for me than to eat or to drink. Now, of course, nobody can live on love alone, but that's what makes this so beautiful, hearing voices from more than 3,000 years ago speaking about that intoxicating feeling of falling in love. And speaking of things that stretch back in time, another one of these poems just proves that we've always wanted what we can't have. The chap in this poem fancies the girl next door. But unfortunately, in ancient Egypt, the girl next door is sometimes also the girl on the opposite side of the Nile. I love a girl, but she lives over there on the far side of the river. A whole Nile in flood rages between, with a crocodile hunched on the sand. Now, whether or not all these love affairs had happy endings, we can't know, but some of them must have. And then, to paraphrase Tolkien, whether by the crocodile hunched in the sand or the slow march of time, they would have ended and one partner would be left behind. We think of the ancient Egyptians as not only reverential about death, but almost obsessed with it. And that, of course, isn't actually true, not in the way that we sometimes understand it. And whatever your views are about a next life of some kind, in this life, the living are still left behind to grieve and to mourn and to miss the people who have gone on. In a coffin inscription from the 21st dynasty in ancient Egypt, we get a very poignant insight into how universal and timeless grief is, no matter how ancient the culture is. Here, a husband says of his wife, Woe, you have been taken from me the one with the beautiful face. There was none like her, and I found nothing bad about you. Now, judging by the sounds of things, that was a pretty happy marriage. So if you're looking for some tips, you've come to the right place. The sage Ani left behind a great deal of wisdom, and one of his gems is basically a slightly more elaborate version of happy wife, happy life. 
Don't boss your wife in her own house when you know she is efficient, he says. Don't keep saying to her, where is it? Bring it to me. Especially when you know it is in the place where it ought to be. So there you go. If you're spending your Thursday nights down the pub because your partner leaves their socks on the floor and doesn't hang up the towels, you're not alone. In fact, you're part of a timeless tradition stretching back to centuries of partners driving each other absolutely nuts. And at least you can listen to this podcast while you make yourself a sandwich to eat on the spare couch. Now, of course, when we talk about ancient Egyptian writing, we naturally think of hieroglyphics, those incredibly detailed and complex and exquisite rows of pictures that form various sounds. They're not actually a pictorial system in the sense that each word does not actually mean the thing that it is. So a picture of a bird, for example, is not the word for a bird and so on. Rather, each hieroglyph denotes a particular sound. We'll talk about this in more detail in an upcoming episode. But the thing to know here is that a great many of these poems and songs were not actually written in hieroglyphs at all, but in hieratic script. Hieratic is like the shorthand cursive version of hieroglyphs. And it makes sense that they would be the form here because hieroglyphs are so time-consuming to produce that your love might have pegged it by the time you'd finished composing your valentine. Life could, after all, be very short in these days. And that, in fact, is the subject of a very beautiful song inscribed on a tomb, which might remind you either of Robert Frost, be happy, happy, happy and seize the day of pleasure, or of Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society, Seize the day, boys. And this is the Harper song at the tomb of Inakawi, and it's so cool. I'm going to use an excerpt from the translation by J.L. Foster in Echoes of Egyptian Voices, but you should definitely look for the full poem. It's freely available on the net. As we've said already, we think of so many ancient cultures as worrying more about the afterlife than the current life, and the Egyptians more than most. And this poem reminds us that humans, all humans, are capable of a deep and fundamental joy in just the simple fact of being alive. The busy fluttering souls and bright transfigured spirits who people the world below, and those who shine in the stars with Orion, they built their mansions, they built their tombs, and all men rest in the grave. The waters flow north, the wind blows south, and each man goes to his hour. So seize the day, hold holiday, be unwearied, unceasing, alive, you and your own true love. Let not your heart be troubled during your sojourn on earth, but seize the day as it passes. Put incense and sweet oil upon you, garlanded flowers at your breast, while the lady alive in your heart forever delights as she sits beside you. Grieve not your heart, whatever comes. Let sweet music play before you. Recall not the evil loathsome to God, but have joy, 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 and pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Historical. If you enjoyed yourself, please head over to your streaming platform of choice and hit that subscribe button, leave us a review and a rating, and join us again next week, same time, same place, every Tuesday.